subject because I don't know. I learned some stuff about the book mm-hmm. recently, and this is a thirteen-year project. Oh, something like that. He had been studying for researching for thirty years. If Jordan Peterson 13. is listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm being so rude. No, don't. To this like massive undertaking because like this. No, I think we're just being open about yeah. it. Yeah, like here's. The- Welcome back to episode seven of Lessons Learned. I'm Dylan. And I'm Evan. And uh, welcome to our semi-new set. And that also works for people listening on Spotify because we should sound pretty good. I would hope at least, you know. Yeah, I would hope so. But who knows? Who knows? Maybe Maybe we don't sound any better at all. But yeah, welcome to our new set. Um. Hopefully this is a little bit more pleasing to the eye and pleasing to the ears. Um, I'm going to do a quick little recap and Evan's going to help me with this little recap because I'll do my best. All right. Um, Here's the thing is I've just gone so far forward. Like I've, I've read enough for three episodes at this point mm-hmm. and you it, need a recap too. It's all merging for me. It's all. Mer- <laughs> yeah. So I have to know like the last thing you remember. Okay. So. Um, I'm not going to recap all the way from like the beginning of the series because we did that last episode and that seems just a little bit redundant. Yeah, we're just talking about myth now. Yeah, we're talking about myth. So I'm just going to recap the myth. So the very first thing we did was lay the foundation of like what Jordan Peterson is going to discuss for myth, which was the cognitive model. And that was the episode where I was just like brain dead the entire time, or at least it felt like it. Um, And then last episode, we really got into the myths. We were really talking about... Um, oh, what myth was it? It was the one with the like cosmic egg and stuff. That's the Tao. That's the Chinese myth. But we were also talking about Marduk. Yeah, it was Marduk. And that's Mesopotamians. Mesopotamians. Yes. We were talking about the Mesopotamian myth. Um, and basically what we were kind of, we, we talked about the Mesopotamian myth and we kind of talked about how, uh, it affected people and their culture and stuff. But ultimately I think what you and me ended up discussing which was an opposition of what Jordan Peterson was doing Mm -hmm. as he was comparing all myths, including Christianity and stuff to, you know, to Norse mythology and stuff. I know he didn't talk about that, but Mesopotamian, as we talked about, we discussed the differences Mm -hmm. and we really broke down the huge differences. And I mean, ultimately we concluded that Christianity is drastically different from all these other myths described because the gods and like the super beings, you know, in a Mm -hmm. sense, and these other myths are subject to vices, whereas our Christian God is not. And same thing with Jewish God, right? Like, we believe in the same God. Yahweh, yeah. Yeah, Yahweh. So, he's not subject to vices. He's right. not subject to imperfections, unlike every other God. And that was the huge difference, which is, like, a huge fundamental difference. Mm-hmm. But that's really where we ended up tying the episode, was there. And then we didn't go past Mesopotamian myths. You, fi- you finish the story, and then we're like... This is good. And we just talked about it. Yeah. So I'm glad you brought that up. We're going to get into 
some other differences. Mm -hmm. So that's a good thing to keep in mind. Okay. Um, we are going to start this episode. Most of this one is going to focus on, yeah, most of it's going to focus on Egyptian mythology. Okay. Do you know anything about that? Um, I mean, I know like Sun God Ra mm -hmm. because that was like a, I did a, an Egyptian mythology project in like high school or something. And sure. that was a big joke among us was like, oh, the Sun God Ra. And then mm. we, you, you know, we'd be like, cause it was Michigan. So we'd be like, you know, curse the sun god because we want a snow day. So we'd be right. like, go away. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and then I know it was like really weird. I know there's a lot of um, abnormalities in, in regards to like there's a lot of animal human hybrid. Mm -hmm. But I don't know much other than that. Okay. Well, I know about Ra and some of the other gods. I know a lot of random mythology because of a video game I used to play called Smite. Oh, it's really? Like, it's like League of Legends, but with gods. Okay. So, like, my main was Ra. Oh. So, you, and I know my guy Ra. Anyways. Wow. Okay, so we both know about Ra. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, like, Ra and Sobek, Horus. I know Horus. Um, there's Isis, who, for obvious reasons, they went to, like, a different name that she has called Iset. Mm -hmm. So, that's what I'll refer to her as. Okay. Because I think she'll come up at some point. Yeah. Um, Geb is another earth guy he's like made of the ground so but there's some ones i haven't heard of but anyways let's get into the actual yeah let's go for story. it story so he starts off talking about egyptian mythology by talking about the world serpent ptah okay. maybe it's just ta it might be a silent p um but he created by his mind and his word that's how um ta created the world so ta is like the he's like a creator he's the creator mm -hmm. okay and so he says, the Egyptians realized that consciousness and linguistic ability were vital to the existence of things precisely as vital as the unknowable matrix of their being. And the takeaway from this part is his mind is, and his word is mm -hmm. what he's talking about, consciousness and linguistic ability. So this is something that he does a lot, and I can't tell how I feel about it, so I'll see how you feel about it as we go along. Okay. Um. He's saying that because Ptah created by his mind and his word, that means that the Egyptians valued consciousness and linguistic ability. <laughs> and, like, they thought it was so important that that's what created the world. Okay, can you can you just read that again or restate that just so I, I can understand it? And it's so I don't make a, the wrong assumption here. Mm -hmm. So can you just... I can reread the quote. Yeah, go for it. So Egyptians realized that consciousness and linguistic ability were vital to the existence of things. Okay. And he's saying that they thought that because of the fact that the guy that created everything used his mind and his word. Do you see that connection? I, I see the connection. It just, I don't think it makes sense. I don't know how convincing it is. Well, it, I don't think it makes sense because it's it's hard to kind of wrap my mind around that connection because like as christians we believe in the truth and that god came before anyone and anything so like for us seeing this as christians it's like obviously this story came post the egyptians right so um, like what do you mean what story the the mythology like it came after wait it came after the story 
No, 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 no. Like Egyptians were a thing, and and then the mythology came. From oh, that. yes, yeah, yeah. So like to say that the Egyptians value language, just for an easy summarization, because Egypt because the Egyptian god used language to create the world. The Egyptians value language. The problem is, is that the Egyptians came before the myth. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. So. It's not that the Egyptians value language because of their God valuing language or that their creator valued language, but it was because the Egyptians valued language, period, that they created a myth in which their creator valued language, or at least demonstrated a value of language. Does that make sense? Well, I think that's kind of his point. He's saying that they implicitly, they care. They understood the language is important, mm-hmm. so they implicitly threw that into their creation story. Okay, that's what he's arguing. Mm-hmm. I'm saying I don't know if that value is there. Mm-hmm. I don't know if just the fact that he has that. I don't know if just the fact that this world serpent created with his word in mind is evidence enough to say that that's what they valued. Gotcha. No, I get what you're saying. And maybe um, it is, but I, I mean, don't... again, I think that's just a hard point to argue because like we've talked about Genesis mm-hmm. and that God created everything. He spoke the universe into existence, right? right? So that's the value of our word. And like, that's why we've both been trying to be cognizant of the words we use and what we say, mm-hmm. because God gave us the ability to speak and communicate. So those words carry a lot of power and weight. Right. So I think it's innate in human nature that words carry a lot of weight and that we value them. I mean, we teach a whole subject on in school on language, the language yeah. we speak, right? Mm-hmm. So it's obviously important to us in a Judeo-Christian value system, but it seemingly becomes like i feel like you can observe that it's innately important in just humans in general Mm -hmm. so i don't think you can necessarily abstract from the mythology itself that it's important so much as it's just part of us it's part of human right because i mean how many other mythologies and i know we haven't started yet but how many other mythologies you could extrapolate the same conclusion based on like Mm -hmm. this god does this this god does this and they're similar yeah i feel like it's more of a dig for something that's innate rather than like an actual observation made from the culture Mm -hmm. i don't think we have a good answer right now to this issue Mm -hmm. but in the next episode or maybe a couple down the road Mm -hmm. i think that this is an important theme to keep in mind um whether or not he's taking something out of this more than is appropriate or justifiable Um, I think that's something that we'll be able to talk about later, probably better with some other examples. Mm-hmm. So I think we can leave that there. Yeah. I don't think there's a good no I'd, conclusion to it. Yeah, I would agree with that. I don't think there's, I think we can toss around similar ideas, but yeah. I don't think there's a hard conclusion we can yeah, come but to. I think we recognize that there's something fishy about it. I think it's, I think it's, he's jumping to a conclusion that we're trying to come to now, which is just like a soft one. Mm-hmm. like it's yeah like that sounds right but like i don't have any other yeah. grounds other than it just sounds right right so we'll talk more about that i think later yeah okay more examples yeah because yeah. it's not the first it's not the last time that that'll happen okay <laughs> so okay he starts talking about the pharaohs 
okay. in Egypt. Um, he says that they, in their myth- mythological system, they thought that the pharaohs were the successor to Ta or Ptah. Okay. Um, he says the pharaoh is the incarnation of Mat, a term translated by truth, but whose general meaning is good order and hence right or justice. Um, and there was a similar idea with the Mesopotamians that they thought the ruler was divine and someone to be emulated. Hmm. So pretty much what he's saying here is that because the pharaohs were thought to be descendants of this world serpent, they were the incarnation or embodiment of truth and order and what is right. Hmm. Interesting. So you're saying that's how they thought about the world. And which we saw last time with Marduk, I think. Okay. Are th- so which was as a way to embody. Yeah, and this is this is a clarification mostly on just like my end. Okay. Are the the pharaohs were like like Egyptian kings, right? Like mm-hmm. literal humans, right? Yes. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. But so that's what they thought. It's kind of like how he sees meaning or valence in the material world. Okay. Is that these were people, the pharaohs were, mm-hmm. but they were also literally the divine beings like the the spirit of the divine was in them okay i understand i like i think like i I feel like i understand enough to like yeah so yeah they had they had divine power really basically interesting wasn't okay so again you're much more well read on the bible than i am Mm. but um when like in Moses's story, wasn't that during like this Egyptian era? Yeah, with he, pharaohs and he stuff? led he led the Israelites out of Egypt. Yeah, okay. Um I and like that's one of my favorite stories. Mm-hmm. Um and it's mostly um from the Disney movie King of Egypt. Okay. Never cool. seen it. Oh we'll have to watch it sometime. Okay. There's I love it for the art and the story. It's it's very beautifully done. Um, yeah, the parting of the Red Sea in that movie is incredible. I'll nerd out about it with you later, but okay. Um, when Moses goes into to talk to the Pharaoh, mm-hmm. right? And again, correct me if I'm ever wrong here, but they there's this whole display of like magic between Moses, who's working with God, and yep. God's working through him, and then the Pharaoh's kind of um, magicians, yeah, magicians, yeah, um, and because tim our pastor talked about this Mm -hmm. um and he was talking about how basically those magicians were using like the devil yeah so pretty much how the story goes and i i've only read it once or twice Mm -hmm. and i don't know it as well as our pastor obviously yeah yeah but moses goes and like uses magic given from god um to like do something i don't remember all the examples anymore but there's a couple times where it happens he turns his staff into a snake that's the last one that's the last one Um, but he does some other ones and then the magicians also do the same thing right so then pretty much the pharaoh won't listen to moses because it can be replicated right and then with the snake moses turns his into a snake and then the magicians turn their staffs into snakes and then i think that the uh, Moses's snake eats the other ones yeah or something like that yeah it wins and then the pharaoh still doesn't listen but 
Right. Um, I guess kind of where I'm like trying to go with that mm-hmm. is to tie Egyptian mythology and kind of, I guess, the root behind it. Yeah. Into a timeline that we're familiar with of Christianity. Mm-hmm. So like if they believed in all of this other stuff in opposition of Christianity, Mm -hmm. but obviously, or no, I guess it wouldn't be obvious. Christianity was just basically being prophesized at this point, right? Through Moses, like during the time of Egyptian mythology, Christianity was basically prophesized, right? What do you mean? Prophesized by whom? Well, like, because isn't Moses one of the first, um, like writers, yeah. I, th- I think so. I don't know for sure, dude. I'm delving into such a rabbit hole that you're we're asking not... my historiography. Yeah, here, and I don't know. Um, ah, man, I, I, I guess like my point in this is like, um, is it possible that these other mythologies derive from an evil power or like an an unholy power? Bro. What? We're going to talk about that next we're episode. We're talking. Oh, and next episode. I'm yep. so sorry, everyone. <laughs> we're, next episode, we're going to be talking about the pre-cosmogonic being mm-hmm. that's like this giant serpent, basically, <laughs> and how that's where everything came out of. Okay. So we'll talk about that. Okay. But you're, I think you're on the right track. Okay. I, I'm sorry for everyone listening that is now very intrigued by what I just said. Hopefully. And, and hopefully. Um, is intrigued by what I just said and now has to wait. <laughs> I'm sorry that there is a waiting period. Well, gotta keep me interested. Yeah, so, right, right. Back to Egyptians. Yeah. So he spends a lot of the time here talking about Osiris and Horus. Okay. So and can you just clarify those two? Yeah, I'm going to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because he goes, he runs through like the whole story. Okay, okay, okay. So Osiris ruled Egypt wisely and fairly. Mm-hmm. Originally, he was like this, the king of Egypt, um, and his brother Seth killed him and dismembered his body into a bunch of pieces and threw him in the other world. Okay, so yeah, that's, that's where this story starts. Okay, so we have this wise ruler or like this fair ruler, and then he gets killed by his evil brother and dismembered and stuff. Okay. Okay. So, uh, Peterson says that Osiris's death signifies two things. Mm-hmm. One, it signifies the tendency of a static ruling idea, a system of valuation, or a particular story, no matter how initially magnificent or appropriate, mm-hmm. to become increasingly irrelevant with time. Mm-hmm. So, how does that sound? What do you mean? What do you think of that? Do I need to break it down or anything? I mean, I'll deal with the, I'll deal with the two things separately. So what do you think about that one? I mean, I think it makes sense to me, but you can definitely break that down and simplify it just a little bit. Okay. So I, all I pretty much have to do is make it more concise. Yeah. So he's just saying that any ruling idea or value or story, um, no matter how good it initially was, is going to become more and more relevant the more time passes. And I think we see that now. In a, and maybe in a different sense, but I think we see that now with Christianity. Mm. Um, I mean, think about like the time of Jesus. I think, though, it depends. Sure. Because I'd say for us, it certainly hasn't. No, I mean, I feel like in one sense it has, in one sense it hasn't. But I would definitely argue that if you're going to say it has diminished, it's only diminished through um, 
external forces saying it needs to be diminished, not naturally, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I, yeah, I think what he's saying here is that no matter how good it initially was, it's just going to be less useful over time. Mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. that's not the case with Christianity. That's not the case at all. So yeah. that's, that's the first one. Okay. Number two uh, is that the dangers that necessarily accrue to a state that forgets or refuses. Wait, what? Oh, it signifies that. Oh, the emphasis here is the dangers. Okay. So it signifies the dangers that necessarily accrue to a state that forgets or refuses to admit the existence of the immortal deity of evil. So pretty much what he's saying here is that Osiris was naive Mm -hmm. by not acknowledging the fact that evil exists Mm -hmm. in the form of his brother. Mm. And it just kind of blindsides him and that's why he dies. So he's saying that Basically, this story, this part of the story tells us, one, that new ideas have to be changed to be good, or ideas have to be changed to be good, because they won't be good forever. They'll lose their relevance over time. And two, he's saying that it's a lot more dangerous when you don't accept the existence of evil, because it'll overthrow you sometime when you're not looking. Okay, the first part. I feel like I completely disagree with what the ideas need to be changed to, be, to continue to be relevant. I mean, I think that's what he's saying here. Do you disagree with that? The fact that that's what he's saying? Yes. I disagree with that being said. Okay. I don't do think, think that's true, but the other half I would agree with. No, the, no, no. Sorry. Let me clarify. Do you think that I interpreted it wrong? No. Okay. You don't no. agree with what he's saying. I don't agree with what he's saying. Yeah, he's saying, yeah, any system of valuation is going to become increasingly irrelevant with time. Yeah, that's just not true. I think if you look at it historically, it's got some credibility outside of Christianity. Mm-hmm. I wonder why. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I do, I, and I'll, I'll, I want to say the first thing. By the way, you're free to disagree as much as you want. Oh, I know. Okay, good. Yeah. Um, cause we're all allowed to have our own personal thoughts cause this is America. <laughs> right. Uh, no, but I'll, I'll start with what I agree with first. I agree that if you ignore the presence of evil, it will bite you. And because, yeah, a lot more dangerous. Um, and it, and the first thing that comes to mind is, well, actually there's a couple things that come to mind directly from the Bible. One, the story of Cain and Abel, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not really elaborated. It's actually a rather short story for anybody that hasn't read that um, story of the Bible. It's it's pretty short. It's pretty much a paragraph story. It's actually impressive how short these stories in the Bible are that are usually really expanded upon. But mm-hmm. at least that's what took me by surprise. I agree. Um, but um, I would be hard-pressed to believe that Abel wasn't aware of and kind of just like odd presence from his brother Cain, especially after when Abel gave an offering to God and it was of high quality mm-hmm. and Cain gave like a mid tier kind of like scraps offering to God. And God was upset with him because he didn't offer like an actual quality thing. Mm-hmm. I, I'm hard pressed to believe that Abel wasn't like, Oh, why is my brother acting weird? And I think that's, something that we can observe is like he's ignoring something that's evil you know he's ignoring something that is like 
is possessing of malicious intent. Mm-hmm. But to be even more clear, um, because I know that's kind of like a interpretation thing of the story in the Bible. Um, our pastor had mentioned this and it stuck out to me. Lion, uh, lion is used to describe both God and Satan. And it's because of, or sorry, it's, it is our job as Christians to learn the difference between Satan and God in their words, but they're both described as lions. Right. So mm-hmm. I think he's right in this, in saying that like, well, if you just ignore evil, it, it's just going to come back and bite you. Yeah, absolutely. Because if God and Satan are both described as lions, that means that their words both hold power. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, it's I, to water it even down more. It's like in the Lion King, Scar and Mufasa are both lions and they're both very deadly. Mm-hmm. Right. But if you, if you don't differentiate between good and evil, they're both very powerful. They're both right. Very useful and deadly. Yeah. And so something that he says about the people like Seth, mm-hmm. the brother is that um, one, they represent a pattern um, of absolute opposition to an established divine order. Okay. Which I think that's pretty clear cut. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I think I want to hear your thoughts about, he says such figures like Seth, are motivated only to protect or advance their position in a power hierarchy. Hmm. That's all they want. They want to tear down that old system, that hmm. old order, so they can go up on the power hierarchy. So, because I feel like the thing I disagreed with is going to tie into that. Okay. Um, and the thing I disagreed with in which you initially stated was that Jordan Peterson um and his book is saying that ideas need to be changing to continue to be relevant correct yeah yeah and and important and useful yeah completely wrong yeah i would argue it's almost completely wrong i'm wondering and maybe we are misinterpreting it because it seems like a really obvious contradiction Mm -hmm. where he's saying that and maybe maybe the focus is the ruling Mm -hmm. the one that's in charge Mm -hmm. or i mean he has static in parentheses Mm -hmm. so if it means unchanging but i mean christianity isn't a changing value system and that's exactly where i was gonna drive this point Mm -hmm. is like through christianity but also just general human nature the idea of needing shelter to better your life doesn't change right the capacity for evil doesn't change yeah like there's there's numerous things like mm-hmm. fundamental things in our lives that don't change. Those ideas don't change. They can't change because it's like yeah. necessity. So I think one idea that can demonstrate the contradiction that he talks about is mm-hmm. he's saying that you need to look out or he's saying it. I think he would agree with you need to always recognize that there's potential for some evil yeah. to happen maybe towards you. Oh, absolutely. That's a, like that's a so, huge mistake that I've experienced in my life. Yeah, and so I think that the contradiction there is that on one hand he's saying that ideas lose their relevance over time, mm-hmm. but on the other hand, I don't think he would ever say that the idea of being wary of evil is something that should lose its relevance ever. Right. Yeah. But I, I don't know. Maybe on like a broad societal level, it can when people get. I mean, it, what is it? The that quote you like about good men and oh and stuff. yes maybe that strong ha- men create good times good times create 
Did I skip something? I hard know. times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. And thus begins the cycle. And maybe that's something to do with it. You know what I mean? Where mm. it's like, if they have this comfortable order, and then they forget about the idea of evil, maybe then... Maybe well, he thinks that evil shouldn't be forgotten about, but maybe he's saying that it is forgotten about. I mean, I think this kind of breaks down into this idea of like boredom why well i mean we used to watch movies right Mm -hmm. like coming as a as a history buff like we used to watch um they used to only be able to do like 10 15 minute long movies because like film reels and cameras they weren't advanced like the charlie chaplin stuff then they started getting longer and longer hour Mm -hmm. hour and a half to it now we're like lord of the rings is a 12 hours beastly long yeah Yeah, right but then we saw something interesting in society um which is like a huge shift especially in younger generations look at tiktok how long are tiktok videos 10 seconds to a minute yeah and and granted tiktok did open up a new feature where you can add a 10 minute video and like they drive Mm. me up a wall but that's besides the point there's also vine there's also vine yeah six second videos and youtube shorts which i mean instagram reels instagram reels snapchat whatever things they're called i'm i don't stories i think yeah i i'm not a social media person (laughs) ironic i handle our social media (laughs) um but my point is is like you see this weird shift from like um oh like attention spans aren't inherently short but because of the media that were or because of technology the media that we can produce is only so long Mm -hmm. then you start seeing it longer and longer and longer and longer and people are still more than interested to watch and recently like society has been flipping like shorter 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 shorter. Mm -hmm. and you can see this even like when you watch tv shows right yeah when you sit down or like it just a general populace when they sit down and you're like hey do you want to watch a movie they're like a movie takes so long hey do you want to watch like 50, 10 minute segments of YouTube series or like, you know, yeah. 20 episode, like a whole season of like these 45 minute long episodes. And somebody's like, yeah. And then like eight hours goes by. Right. So I think it's like people are, are like society and maybe this isn't just society. Maybe this is just technological advancements that we as humans need to kind of learn to like use as more of a tool instead of a crutch, mm-hmm. because I think it's just making your attention spans shorter and shorter and shorter. Yeah. And my point where I'm going with this is if your attention span's getting shorter and there's a difficult idea to grasp, are you going to want to listen to it? No. No. It needs to be changed or it needs to be dismissed. One of those two things needs to happen. Mm. And if people who are seeking higher power see that opportunity, they're more likely to dismiss beneficial ideas and give quick, easy answers, right? Mm. I think we see a lot of lot of So stuff you're talking like about acting for yourself in the short term even mm-hmm. if it's detrimental to the long term yes i mean think about it like we have like constitutional rights you know think of like the second amendment it is easier to say because there's people in our country that are dying which is not okay we should get rid of the second amendment altogether that is an easy short-term solution i don't need to think about it okay if there's no guns then nobody can have a gun so nobody right. dies period done we're done but the but it long ignores, like the nuances of the yeah issue. it ignores the nuances of the issues and you're you're taking a short-term idea you're mm-hmm. taking this quick and easy oh easy boom done 
and the idea is over. It's gone. It's been removed rather than going, okay, well, how do we overcome this obstacle? How do we overcome this situation? Mm -hmm. It's a much more difficult thing to do. It's a longer process. It's the same idea. It's just harder to do when you don't mm. want to. It's, it's an inactive society. Yeah. So that's like my biggest gripe with what, at least what we presume he's saying mm -hmm. is just like ideas have to change. They absolutely don't have to change. It's just that people either want an easier idea yeah, or they want I to get, dismiss it. I don't know. It's probably, it'd be getting it. It's probably giving him the benefit of the doubt to say that we're misunderstanding the quote. Sure. I'll say it's possible. Oh, yeah. We're not. But. <laughs> we're not Jordan Peterson. No. You know. It seems pretty clear cut, though. It seems yeah. like. What I'd also like to point out is you're a rather smart individual. Debatable. And, and you do pride, or I shouldn't say pride, you do pour yourself pretty heavily into this book. I'd be hard pressed to say that out of all the time you've spent on this book, that you're getting this wrong, this mm -hmm. one thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, and I mean, we're going to see more stuff that we disagree with anyways. Mm -hmm. So it's very possible. So, yeah, I, I'd say yeah. we disagree. Yeah, definitely disagree. Um, okay. So he says Osiris was great. He was a really good ruler and stuff, but he was naive and blind towards evil. Mm -hmm. And that's what led to his demise. Um, and that demonstrates the danger of assuming that, well, this is something that I added. This isn't what he thought. Sure. Um, this demonstrates the danger of assuming that human nature is good. Yeah. Because I think that's been an idea since Rousseau mm -hmm. was that society's bad. We are, we as people are good. But we as people make society. Just a silent nod. Thank you. Yeah. That's, <laughs> that's a contradiction, isn't it? No, I mean, he thought that the only way you could really be uncorrupted was to go be a yeoman farmer out in like the boonies mm. just kind of be by yourself out of a society and then that's where you can be the most good and that's where there's well, a lack of corruption and this is very... no because even even in that situation you can fall you can falter into corruption because if you can't handle like situate like can we agree that murder's wrong yeah okay so if you live literally in isolation with no one else around you and somebody walks onto your property and is just trying to be friendly, but in your eyes, it's like your land. So you just murder mm -hmm. that person. You've already fallen into corruption. So, yeah. Well, that's the, that's the difficulty with his really idyllic ideas mm -hmm. is it's they're kind of a thought experiment. Sure. And not super tailored to reality. Yeah. I mean, obviously the biggest reason it's not is the fact that we are not good by nature at all. Mm-hmm. And we can just see how that's a big thing now about how culture is oppressive and everything like that. Yeah. Or supposedly. Mm -hmm. And that comes from the idea that society's corrupting and the individuals are the good. So. Again, like it. But I think that's, I, I guess my people point is. People make up society. Yeah. Well, and I think my, I think the way that this connects to the story of Osiris is that he didn't focus on the fact that people are evil or seth was evil mm -hmm. so he got blindsided by that and mm -hmm. that's exactly what happens that's what can happen if you assume human nature is good i yeah. mean i think an example of that could be you know stalin and communism mm -hmm. 
they assumed that human nature was good, which meant that if you give all the power to one person, mm. they'll distribute it equally to everyone, yeah. and it'll be great. And then they learned the hard way that human nature is not good. And if someone has all of that power, then they're going to do whatever they want with it. Yeah. So I thought that that was an important highlight for this in a way we can see it in the more modern world. Yeah. No, I get it. So to continue the story of Osiris mm -hmm. and Horus. So he's killed. He's in the underworld. Uh, his wife, Eset, mm -hmm. makes herself pregnant with Osiris's dismembered phallus, which is interesting. At least it's not as weird as Loki in Norse mythology. Understandable. <laughs> yeah, there's some weird stuff with him. There's really he he weird highlights stuff. that quote about the phallus with in chaos lurks great potential. Because Osiris is dead, but she still manages to impregnate herself with it. So like where there's all this chaos, good stuff can still happen. Which was just a kind of a side note. That's um, that's such a bizarre point to make. Because, like, we've talked about the unknown and known mm -hmm. for a while now mm -hmm. as the foundation of this. And we've already established that the unknown can present, I mean, both good and bad. But ultimately, it it would, I would argue, to almost always pr promote something good. You'd always get something good from the unknown. Even if it was, like, an ouchie. Then you learn from it. Then you learn from it, and that's good because mm -hmm. you know not to do. And I'm not saying the whole experience is always good, but like there's always something good to glean from it. I right. think that's just a bizarre, like observation to make well, to and prove is, that point. This I is guess. well, this is the kind of reading in that he's doing mm -hmm. to a lot of these stories, is saying, oh, because she did that thing, that demonstrates that they thought that chaos. In chaos is, like, the ability or the potential for, like, great things. And that's that kind of reading in that but I'm not you too could, sure about. I would read, okay, so if we're going to, if the point I'm trying to prove is that from chaos can come good things, then I would say that Seth killing Osiris? Yes. Okay. Seth killing Osiris is another example of good coming from chaos because Seth killed Osiris for a reason and not knowing that reason, mm -hmm. but doing with such confidence would imply that he thought, oh, well, I don't know the outcome of this, but I can only assume it's good, so I'm going to do it anyways. Yeah. Well, that's this. I think you're not going to like this quote because it's the same <laughs> idea. He says the, degen the degeneration, whoa, degeneration mm -hmm. of the state or domain of order and its descent into chaos serves merely to fructify that domain. And fructify, I had to look it up to double check, means to make something fruitful or productive. Okay, can you break that one down? Mm -hmm. So what he's saying is when a state or domain of order degenerates and descends into chaos, all that's doing is making that domain have potential for productive product productivity. So he's saying like... Yeah, this domain fell into chaos from order, but that just means it's productive now. I don't even think that makes sense. I think it. I think he's highlighting the fact that when you go into chaos, there is potential, right? Which is undoubtedly true. Yeah, 
But he's saying that this state of order going into chaos serves merely as a way to get like productivity or to fructify that domain, to make it fruitful or productive. Which I don't think it serves, I don't, I don't know if I would say that it serves to do that. I think that that potential for productivity comes as a consequence of being in a state of chaos. Yeah. But degeneration into chaos doesn't serve to make productivity. No. Like, I'm just, I'm having, I think I'm struggling because it's like, I know I disagree. I'm just like, I don't know where I disagree because I just disagree with it all. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, I, and I'm going to ask a question to clarify. And so we could also say point. Jordan Peterson might not be saying this mm -hmm. as much as he thinks that this is what the Egyptians are saying. Sure. And even then that goes back to the problem of him reading into these stories to take this out of it. And okay, you know, that's a whole different issue in of itself, but I think it's a great point. You can't read somebody's religion as an outsider and try to extrapolate meaning from it. Mm -hmm. You're just not going to do it successfully. You're just not. That's a bold statement to make, my friend. Okay. You're going to be proved correct next episode. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't do this to me. <laughs> we might talk but, about it this episode. Okay. I no because like you don't know the I've, I've heard I've heard this so many times. Well, I read the Bible and reading the Bible made me not want to be Christian anymore. Or well, I read the Bible so now I know why I don't want to be Christian. Okay. Here's the problem. You need to understand the well, Bible. Mm -hmm. You need to understand the text. You need to understand it. I as a Christian, granted, only for a little over a year would not be bold enough to say, "Oh, yeah, I understand the Bible. No. <laughs> no, I don't. I understand like one or two points, maybe. I, yeah, I yeah. understand a couple points, but like that's why we have a pastor. But that's also why it's so crucial to find a good pastor mm -hmm. and ultimately derives from knowing the word of God, spending time with the Bible, you know, praying about it, praying to God and trying to work in a community of people that you know and trust and hold similar beliefs with right. to work through that. That's what you and me do all the time. We disagree on so many different things, sometimes for the fun of it, but a lot of it is because we're poking holes in each other's statement to find the flaw or to solidify the foundation of it. Mm -hmm. And when you come in from as an outsider and you just read the Bible and you're just like, I think this is what this means. Nope. You're, you're probably just wrong because we as Christians could be wrong. Yeah. Unless we've spent a long time. Oh, absolutely. Is, and, and even then, I people think that's, have I think that's important wrong. to point out is yeah. that we're not saying this like pridefully or anything. No. Like as Christians, it's just matter of fact. Yeah, no, absolutely. You can't, you cannot walk into a religion, read their text, you know, for just to cover all bases. You and can't just read good. a text and be like, I understand that. No, you don't. I promise you don't. Yeah. Because there's so much going through it. Like, so we've, we've already seen some stuff that he's, well, okay. You'll have to clarify for me. Mm -hmm. Have we seen stuff that he's gotten incorrect about Christianity so far? No. Okay. We're going to <laughs> in coming episodes. Okay. But my, what we have seen 
is differences between other religions and Christianity. Yes, yes we've we've observed the differences that right. he didn't make because he was making similarities. Yeah, rather than yeah differences. He's just comparing, not contrasting. Mm-hmm. Um, there's stuff in here that really demonstrates the fact that he doesn't understand Christianity, mm-hmm. and something that the professor i was talking to mm-hmm. one of the things that he brought up is jordan peterson obviously knows his neuropsychology very well oh yeah he knows about a lot of things jordan peterson's very very smart super he's brilliant yes obviously very yeah brilliant yeah exactly is what he is he's brilliant yes yes the the issue is you can't be an expert in everything no um and the question is if we know that he's gotten stuff wrong about christianity mm-hmm how much is he getting stuff wrong with these other mythologies? And I think that's the point I'm going yeah, to. That's is, why I brought this up now instead of waiting. Yeah, is that like we're and that and that's the point I was just trying to make in regards to like, okay, so like if you're trying to find the point of like good can come from chaos and that's why you would instigate chaos mm-hmm. and instigate, initiate, instigate, mm. instigate chaos. That makes that sense, right? Yeah. Um. So then I'm going to say that Seth killing Osiris is proof that people look to chaos for like good sources and like mm-hmm. for good. So to you're making like a moral relativist argument. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, you can, ex- I, you can't extrapolate anything from anything, but if right. you're looking hard enough, you can find something right. within. And it. you're, you're, yeah, you're kind of pointing out what postmodernists say mm-hmm. are a part of postmodernism. I, yeah. I don't know what that is, but yeah, it's, it's the idea that if if language is all subjective mm-hmm. then like stories and language is like meaningless basically because you can just pull whatever you want out of it but that's i think they take it too that's far too far for but sure. i think it's a similar thread yeah where you can pull anything you want out of anything yeah if you really try well and like and there's times when that's like really crucial to have that skill mm-hmm. like when you're making a movie if you look at some of the like famous directors and just filmers Mm -hmm. and stuff the colors they use in sets says a lot Mm -hmm. um and i i don't remember the movie and i don't remember you know the story or anything of that but i remember in one of my film classes we talked about why did this director make this one door out of the entire movie bright red Mm. and it was to demonstrate like power and to demonstrate that the, the main character was walking from like his normal life into a life of just like chaos and unknown. And mm-hmm. like, yeah, that, yeah, you're right. You would be correct in extrapolating meaning from the red door, but that's like a, a an artistic choice. Mm-hmm. When you're talking about things like texts, like religious texts, mm. it's not an artistic choice that Jesus died on the cross. That's not what that mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. It's not, that's not just a story for artistic. What is this? represent no 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 no. There, there's a true martyr meaning behind yeah. that and it's and i think more often than not explained in the text right and i think there's something similar that can happen with psychology mm-hmm. which is where he's coming from is psychologists can look for things that are useful mm-hmm. for us for how we live yeah so maybe something that he's doing is looking at these stories and pulling out what can be useful or like to be what can be learned from them that's useful mm-hmm. and then saying that that's what it represents 
Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind of like a pragmatic it. argument. Mm-hmm. That's like, well, we read these and we if he's maybe assuming that they're doing it because it's useful, then like here's the useful thing that you can get out of it. Yeah. Which is like why we can find a lot of what he talks about in this, even if we disagree with some of the stuff, we can be like, oh yeah, the thing he's talking about there, mm-hmm. spot on. Yeah. Like facts. You can't ignore evil. Yeah. No, absolutely. At the same time though, is that what you, the Egyptians meant by it? Right. And I think, and and I guess this all this statement ultimately becomes a critique more than anything else. Sure. We both know that Jordan Peterson is brilliant. Yeah. And I think he has thoroughly proven his point thus far. Mm-hmm. So to derive more, um, what's the word, more support for his point from religious texts is one such a bold move that I would argue he doesn't necessarily succeed in. Mm-hmm. Two is completely no, well, unnecessary for his point. I think we talked about. I I think it is necessary for his argument. Why? Because if you remember back when we first started this book, mm-hmm. the whole thing that he's trying to do here is combine all these myths and stuff mm-hmm. and religions with the empirical world. Yeah. So that he can say that there's some connection. He's trying to solve. We talked about it. The is ought problem. Yeah. What is versus what ought to be. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much trying to solve that. He's yeah. trying to connect the two here. Right. So we know he's not going to be successful. Mm-hmm. But I think that it is absolutely necessary that he goes through to, the religions to achieve what to he's try and trying do that. to. Okay. He won't do it successfully, but I think it is. It does have to happen. And I, I, yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and I think that's just like that ultimately becomes the fundamental problem that we'll see. Mm-hmm. And, and again, you've read it and I haven't. So that's my assumption is it's going to be a fundamental problem that we'll see is that it's going to just not work in his favor. And mm-hmm. it's going to end up like almost immediately in the book, like faltering yeah, everything. So then by the end of it, it's like he came to a conclusion that he like fundamentally missed the mark on, mm-hmm. which is, and like, I don't know. I don't know how he's going to end the book. He might just yeah. say, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I'd say. Cause this, I don't know. I learned some stuff about the book mm-hmm. recently, and this is a 13-year project. Oh. Something like that. He had been studying for, researching for 30 years. If Jordan Peterson 13. is listening, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I feel like I'm being so rude. No, don't. To this, like, massive undertaking. Because, like, this... No, I think we're just being open about yeah. it. Yeah. Like, here's the thing. We both know that what he's doing is very intelligent. Oh yeah. And like if you're if you are a psychologist and you're an evolutionary biologist and all these things, the way that he's analyzing this mm-hmm. is perfect. Yeah. I don't think you could analyze it any better. Right. Sure. We just recognize as Christians that he's not talking about our Christianity. And I think I think that's what makes what we're trying to do with this book unique is that we're approaching this from like a truly like christian like a young man christian perspective Mm -hmm. rather than from any other perspective which like foundationally is in opposition of what he believes Mm -hmm. but more importantly i think it's going to bring to light anything that you know he misses or he says in 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 wrong context or etc 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 but it'd be so cool to go through this Mm -hmm. and and make these points and make these statements and stuff and have Jordan Peterson like go, okay, I get what you're saying. And like debate, 
Yeah. I think that'd be so cool. No, and not just because Jordan Peterson. I'd have awesome. so many questions after this book. Right. But like, because it'd be so cool just to kind of like hear. Understand it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, oh man. That'd or be where so he cool. is now. This book was 1999. Yeah. So. Well, and, and that's like ultimately like always in the back of my mind. Like, what does he think now? What does he believe now? Right. Like how much of this book is he looking back and going like, mm, I should have taken this approach. Cause yeah. we all grow no matter what. Obviously. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, it'd it's, be so cool. Yeah. <laughs> um we're running low-ish on time here so I'll yeah try and get through these um we'll go through the story more mm-hmm. so Eset's impregnated gives birth to horus um horus is born and he confronts and overcomes seth so he kills him he mm. loses his eye in the process but he ends up getting it back so i don't know why it mattered to the story but <laughs> he so what jordan points out is that the story could have ended there mm-hmm he could have killed Seth, taken the throne, yeah. boom, he's in his father's spot. That's yeah. a coherent story. Yeah. What he does, though, is he descends into the underworld to bring his dad back. Okay. Which is an, what he, Jordan Peterson says, that's an original contribution added from the Mesopotamian story. Because mm. all that happens in that one is that Marduk kills Tiamat and then he becomes king. Okay. This yeah. one is, he doesn't just become king mm-hmm. after killing the evil. Mm-hmm. He goes down and gets his dad back. Yeah. The one that was killed. Okay. And they make a new kingdom together. Mm. So what Mm -hmm. he says, this quote, the kingdom of the son and father is an improvement over that of the father or the son alone, Mm. as it unites the hard-won wisdom of the past, that is of the dead, with the adaptive capacity of the present, that is the living. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I don't think there's a flaw in that point at all, because we often see mythologies taken from here and here in different civilizations i mean look at like you know the mm-hmm. romans versus the greeks in their yeah. belief structures it's like identical and i think so i think this is a really tough part of how far we let the argument go mm-hmm. is because he would say that they implicitly understood this no but then i don't when he's talking did. about stuff earlier mm-hmm. he can say like we could talk about frozen mm-hmm. we could say you know the let it go like or let it movie? be yeah okay let it be or whatever the song is let it go let it go i knew it was one of the two i should have gone let, let it be let it be Shut up. anyways <laughs> from the hit <laughs> from the beatles comes frozen three. Oh boy so let it go yes but you can see how that's a very it has a very different implicit message than their older stuff because it's all about expressing your internal self and not letting anyone tell you who you are not, mm-hmm. which is vastly different from older types of stuff like Lion King, mm-hmm. where it's about him learning how to conform to this role that he's been assigned. Yes. Those are vastly different stories. And I don't and like it's... that you use the word conformed because I don't think it's about conforming. Sorry, I've been reading Rise and Triumph. I know. And that's how I know. About. I know. I'm just to clarify and i know you'll just agree with me maybe not but not inherently conform i think that puts a negative connotation on the importance of society but rather to understand the importance of the role well no i think it is conform is it because yeah i mean it's your job to find your spot in society sure but i wouldn't say like you're conforming to the society i know it has a negative connotation i'm not giving it that right but that is the point is to figure out how you exist within your society. Sorry, I'm just a little soft. 
Well, I, I mean, think about no, it. No, I, I, yeah. I, I can't disagree. I'm just saying. <laughs> but the point is that that's a way, way different message oh. than what's in Frozen. Yeah. And I think that that's an implicit understanding. That's the implicit message that's in those. Yes. So we can see it there. Mm -hmm. So the difficulty is finding where the line is where we say that that's not what's going on in the Egyptian story. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, personally, I, don't, maybe, think, I don't think they did it implicitly. Maybe it is exactly what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Man, but I don't know. Because he makes a convincing point with like Pagier. Mm-hmm. When he talks about how, like, children act out stuff first mm -hmm. before they can understand what they're doing. Yeah. Like, it's imitation, and then mm -hmm. it's dramatic representation. And then it's... And then it's explicit understanding. Yeah. I was just going to say understanding, but you sound much fancier. Well, I'm, I'm, it has to be explicit, not implicit. Because yeah. explicit means that you can talk about it and yeah, understand like it. Yeah, like, you can observe your own understanding of it. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, and... It's convinced, like, that's what we do. I, I get it. I so get it. that's I... why it's really tough, I think, to draw this line. And maybe this that is what they're doing. Here's the thing. I think that with these myth <laughs> mythologies, this could be what is happening. Sure. Is that they're doing it. They didn't understand it, but that's the message that their stories were telling. So you, the, think, the... you think they could have just understood it without being aware of their understanding? Yes. Okay. And, and what's Peterson saying, just to clarify? I think that. I think that oh, is he what is. he's saying. Okay. I mean... But he's saying that it's all subjective. Or, I mean, he's saying it's all implicit, which I think is a fair point. I think it can still work with Christianity because that's not what Christianity is. And that's why Christianity is different, is because it wasn't created by our implicit right. understanding. It was created by God. Yeah. Well, I and this is just like this would create a rabbit hole of doing research and all this stuff, mm -hmm. but it'd be interesting to see the timeline of these religions, their popularities, their creations and stuff, because yeah, if it I... lined up with certain points of like Mesopotamian mm -hmm. religion and we can, and... we can talk about it. I just, I don't know those timelines. We'll have more to say. I don't have specifics either, but I was talking to the guy that I'm going through this with. Mm, yeah. I had asked him, Pretty much that. I was like, what of these came first? Mm -hmm. um, we know that some of the stuff in the Bible is the oldest. Yes. Older than the other things. And like there's oh. some stipulation mm -hmm. that people say that it's not the oldest. Because I think the ooh, the Enuma Elish might be like 6th century BC. Okay. Um, you have a better history timeline than I do okay, by well, far. So some of the earliest things that they say are Christian. Mm-hmm. Are the Dead Sea Scrolls, mm -hmm. which I think are somewhere around 1st or 2nd century BC. Mm -hmm. So that'd be newer. Newer, okay. The problem is that, I wish I remembered, I should have taken notes or asked more details about it. But there's some stuff that is definitely older than that. Yeah. Or no, that's what it was. Alexander the Great mm -hmm. had his people in Alexandria, like the library, mm -hmm. writing about christianity or like jewish tradition and stuff mm -hmm. which was before that so we know that it existed before the dead sea scrolls mm, okay so that it's not the dead sea scrolls that's not the first time it came mm -hmm. up um so i think the timeline might be vague mm -hmm. it might be fuzzy we can look more into it but it's not like christianity came after 
necessarily or way after anything. Mm -hmm. What Scott thought was that maybe we'll talk about it next time, but it might have something to do with the Tower of Babel. Mm, That would make sense. Where it's the story, if it was the same story Mm -hmm. um, originally when everyone was together and then once they all get separated with language and stuff, they go off and then from there this similar story gets messed up. Okay, that would make so much because sense. Then, because, because then, because then, one that the, the people at the Tower of Babel are not worshiping God; they're worshiping basically themselves. Yes. Correct. So, like, so then he splits them up. Okay, so why wouldn't it make sense that the people created beings, gods, that were subject to vices such as they were? Mm. And that can be part of it too. Um, but one thing we can take from that is something that I've lost my train of thought. Sorry. No, Sorry. it's fine. Uh, oh, it was a good point. Where were we at? Tower of Babel split everybody up. Yep, that was that was the point. We're gone. I'm Gonzo. I'm so sorry. I'm... It's okay. <laughs> I felt like you had such a good point, and then I ruined it. What was I talking about? What do you mean? What's what spurred your comment? The Tower of Babel. That's all you got. Well. You were talking about like um, that they all these myths seem really similar, and that right, the, the similar thing. Okay, that's what it was. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> that's all I needed. Um, the flood. Uh huh. Something that atheists have trouble explaining is how literally all of these cultures all around the world have some sort of flood, and there's some interesting stuff with these old. I think it's the oracle bone stuff in China. Okay. They would they would write stuff down not with words but with pictures. Mm-hmm. The picture for something like the paradise at the beginning was like a tree and like two people or something like that. But there was one for a boat that was like eight mouths, which is the amount of people that were on Noah's Ark. Mm. It was like a it was like a picture of a ship in eight mouths or something like that, mm-hmm. and I'll look more into it because it's fascinating, and we can talk about it maybe more next episode. Mm. But dude, there's some weird stuff. <laughs> um, so there's there's maybe something going on with that idea. I, I always kind of had like this feeling that I'm not you're you're a historian. I'm just some guy, <laughs> but I I always felt like. If you looked at the root of mythologies and mm-hmm. religions across the globe, I always felt like there was going to be numerous underlying ties. We'll talk about it next episode for sure. Okay. It'll be a big topic. You will be you will be fulfilling young Dylan's theory Good. that everybody else laughed at since I've been in like middle school. I'm happy to help young Dylan. <laughs> oh man, um, young Dylan yeah. would be so happy. <laughs> All right, so we're almost out of time. Yeah. I'll finish up this story here because it's basically done okay um we are i guess the story's pretty much over so maybe i'll just i can throw in like one more quote or something about it we'll finish it up and if something stands out i'll stop you and then okay i'll be brief so yeah that's the whole story Mm -hmm. um oh that would be the whole story yeah they came back and they have their new kingdom together which is better than just one of them right one second i'm choosing wisely don't 
Copyright claiming. Yeah, you better watch it. Yeah, I know. What do we get? Like six seconds or something of before copyright. It's copyright? Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't know. Hopefully, hopefully it's not a problem. I don't think it'll be. It'll be fine. Okay, it'll be we fine. can talk. This is. There's a couple good quotes in here we can talk about. Mm-hmm. This one's more related to what we are talking about. Have been talking okay, about. Sure. So, and this will be the last one. This form, like these myths of story, the mm-hmm. stories and stuff. This form is not pur- purposeful mystification, but the manner in which ideas emerge before they are sufficiently developed to be explicitly comprehensible. Which is exactly what we've been talking about. You want to break that down just a little bit? Sure. Okay. So he's saying that these aren't just like weird myths on mm-hmm. purpose. They're not like gods and beings and all these things on purpose. Right. Um, but they're just the way that ideas emerge. Hmm. Um, they came in a narrative form before they're sufficiently developed into being understood well enough to be explicitly comprehensible. So it's exactly what we were talking about yeah. with um, the imitation and then the narrative representation and the explicit understanding. Mm-hmm. It's just that. So he is saying that that's where these came from. These had... were ideas that they had that they didn't understand explicitly, mm-hmm. but they were able to put them in st- a story form that they would understand. I had a wild thought. Okay. And this is, and maybe I shouldn't say it because it's like a hundred percent just a speculation beyond speculation. Okay. <laughs> well, you've, you've uh, put it out there first. Okay. So now we know. Yeah. Okay. So one hundred this disclaimer what you are about to hear is 100 percent speculation and has no reference to any facts or logic that's a good disclaimer thank, that. thank you yes um now that you've covered your ground thank you i try so what if mm-hmm. at the tower of babel mm-hmm. where the people worship themselves mm-hmm. god said nope you're done split them up what if these religions derived from the original people that were split up during the Tower of Babel and those people decided to create these kind of religion and these stories to derive attention or sorry, to divert attention from God and to keep kind of this idea that they were beyond God? One idea mm-hmm. is that more so that than they did it that way, it's like they didn't they were spread out and stuff and like they lost the original the original story mm-hmm. and over time it just changed and changed and changed sure into something that's way different but that would explain why they're all so similar in different ways is because they came from the same original source yeah. but they've just been moved around mm. over time by like mm-hmm. i mean it's oral history oral history changes over time yeah of course um well, and that's something you see in Norse mythology, mm-hmm. is that like the true heart of Norse mythology is that it was all oral history, and right. and that's why and we, we just don't know have much so story. Little about yeah, it. yeah. And it's, it's unfortunate. All I, think of these. It's, I think it's super cool. Um, I think that also has a testament of some sort to Christianity mm-hmm. that it stayed the same. Not just that it stayed the same, but it's well documented. Yeah, it's well documented that there was a point to um, move beyond just oral history, just an oral telling. Sure. You know, like it was clearly 
important enough that it needs to be documented and and recorded in arguably numerous fashions Mm -hmm. and the other ones were just told yeah maybe that's just a little sidebar comment that doesn't hold much weight but okay yeah i'll i'm gonna throw in one more quote Mm -hmm. just to show a pattern because we talked about this last episode sure and we don't have to talk about it for very long because it's just highlighting a pattern Mm -hmm. um he says the christian revolution which granted every individual the status of son of god and as implicitly akin to our modern oh this isn't a complete sentence so heads up okay great interjection the christian revolution which granted every individual the right of god and as implicitly akin to our modern notion of the intrinsic human right so the thing to take out of that is that christianity had this idea of everyone being the son of god and equal which is very similar to our modern notion of the human modern human right so the interesting thing is that none of these other mythologies came up with something that would equate to our modern human right where we're all equal but that's like a very 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 new idea in comparison kind to of the... so i think i don't think human rights are a new idea as much as it's it's something that evolved out of christianity in western tradition because the... i mean i get what you're saying like my point is is that like in no i'm not gonna go you do your thing well so it's this it's this idea where first we had the religion mm-hmm. that told us and then during the enlightenment they tried to take the morals and sever them off from the religion mm-hmm. and then ju- they had to figure out once they did that how to justify them so i think human rights came out of a consequence of that where they're trying to sever it from the religion mm-hmm. but it's the same idea mm-hmm. the human right is in the bible because we all are equal under god nice i just hit the mic i'm so sorry we're all equal under god and that's a human right just says we're all equal yeah okay but, I, you, but yeah without god you can't say that it doesn't make sense what may what you know like we talked yeah, about well it, i mean what justifies it as being right because hmm. there's no transcendent values if there's no god yeah well i think there's a lot of things so. that we see that are, are derived from the judeo-christian value system that can't be explained just by logic and reasoning mm-hmm. because it, it just it doesn't track yeah it just ultimately like it goes back to the like okay but why which is right. i think it is such a it's such like uh it feels a like a missed question why yeah well it feels like a cop-out to say it as a christian you know because mm-hmm. god exists that's but why but it's true but it's not a cop-out i know it just feels like one of those it's no, because I... it's because we're in a place where you have to rationalize everything. Yeah. And you can only rationalize so far. And that's like what the people mm-hmm. like Camus and Sartre realized is that you can't if there's no god then there's no meaning. Everything is subjective. You have yeah. to find your that's literally what Camus said pretty much is you have to find your own meaning in the world. So, anyways, I think that's a pretty good spot to end. Yeah. This episode was not what I thought it would be. No? We focused a lot more on the issues that we had with this, but I'm glad that we're doing that. I I mean, I think I think nothing, actually. Some You don't think? No, I, I yeah. It's hollow up there. Um, that's good. No, 
<laughs> just means there's room for more. There's there's room for more nothing. <laughs> there's room for the expansion of the mass void. No, um, I I don't want, and I'm saying this like as we're recording because I think it's important for people listening to understand at least my thought process and then maybe your interjection. But I don't want the format of this to be just read the quote, explain the quote, and call it good. Like, I want to, like, break this down from our perspective. Yeah. I think our perspective is seldom talked about and seldom represented, which is just young Christian men. I mean, that's why we started this. Yeah. And not that explicitly only young Christian men can listen to this, but just I I think I would argue that we're underrepresented. Mm -hmm. I think just, and I I think it's important that we bring the topic of this up to light because i think there's a lot of important things that are shoved aside that are really important mm-hmm. for young christian men which is like it's okay to be a christian yeah you're not alone and it's okay to have opposing thoughts compared to like the the norm that is society and it's okay to venture into things that might be above your head i mean like you you're we're both technically undergrads yeah and i wouldn't even consider myself really a student anymore but we're in the same age group like we're 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 in that undergrad we're in that young figuring life out and we're trying to read jordan peterson yeah which i think is a testament to just everybody that wants to delve into something that feels a little bit beyond themselves Mm. Mm -hmm. i mean I would when we started. I would argue it was beyond me to be this far in the podcast. Sure, but that's the importance of the unknown, right? We didn't tie it back. <laughs> Thank you. Um, delve into the unknown. Learn some stuff. Yeah, learn things that are beyond you. Learn things that are above you. Yeah, I think that's a huge thing here. I mean, when we started, you had to explain literally everything to me, mm-hmm. and now I forget that I need to like say you should like explain that quote Mm. i I think it's easier now but i think that's because you have the background knowledge Mm -hmm. well it's just like playing guitar Mm -hmm. yeah it's going to be easier to learn new chords because you already learned 20 other chords yeah you already have the knowledge and kind of yeah it's knowing it well enough that you can sight read yeah which is a huge music reference that you just made that i think like five percent of the populace for those who don't know sight reading is looking at a sheet of music like the the first time and just being able to play it which is sounds easy um i can't explain it in any other sound easy yeah oh yeah oh that i thought it sounds hard why well it's it's like reading a book why okay so you understand why no but it's why can't you just look at it people know it's a performance though sure it sounds it sounds easier than it is by mm. like yeah it depends on what you're reading but well of course but yeah the point is it just you have to have a foundation of knowledge mm-hmm. and then it becomes a lot easier to learn things quicker yeah so i don't know i'm happy with where this episode went no i'm not, I'm not unhappy yeah no i'm, I'm just surprised I'm just, yeah, I, I didn't expect it yeah well let's wrap up um do you have any final remarks anything stay tuned for next week where we can talk about the things that i kept referencing this time (laughs) that's your advertisement ladies and gentlemen right there that's the advertisement 
Um, Advertisement of the Century by Evan Ansel. Thank you. All right, well, I don't have any anything else to say. Um, thanks for listening to this episode of Lessons Learned. Um, it's always a pleasure to have people here, people listening with us, or listening to us, rather. Hopefully um, you like the new setup better. Yes, hopefully this is much more pleasing to the eyes and the ears. Um, we're excited to have you here. We're excited to be growing slowly but surely. Um, and we're very excited to have you join us for the next episode of Lessons Learned. Please enjoy your week and delve a little bit into the unknown. Uh, thanks for being here. And we'll see you next week. Bye. Adios. Bye.